I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Dennis is the founder and CEO of Building Men, a motivational destination for real talk about purpose, mindset, relationships, connections, and foundational building blocks to success. So today we're probably not going to talk much about real estate, which is kind of awesome. I hope I hope we'll spend a lot of time on mindset and think that. So thanks for thanks for coming, Dennis. How are you doing? I'm good, my man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, wait, Dennis, if, if, if you would, why don't you just go ahead, ahead and tell us your story and we'll talk about, you know, kind of whatever job, wherever it seems appropriate. Sure. So I'll start telling my story, um, and I'll go in two different directions in the same story and I'll definitely weave it back together. I've had some practice on my own podcast over the last year and a half being able to do so. I'll start my story in. Um, 2005, basically, it was my first year as an assistant principal. I'm a Jersey guy, Central Jersey, and I started as an assistant principal at a junior high school. Um, as soon as I started, I recognized the majority of the issues that I was dealing with as an administrator were with the young men in the school. They were coming to school late or not coming at all. They were getting in, in fights in school. They were getting thrown out of class for being disrespectful and rude to the to the teacher in the classroom. Um, just a lot of social issues. A lot of the young men in the school were coming from family dynamic where there wasn't a strong male role model in their life. And at the same time, there was this girls group in the school. We had a really dynamic guidance counselor who ran a girls group called Girls Speak Out. And basically what she did was she helped girls understand um, what society was telling them about femininity, um, helping them really understand body image, uh, help them gain confidence in relation to their male counterparts. So I actually decided at that time I needed to do something synonymous for the young men in the school. So I started this program. Initially, it was just called the boys group. And I invited the young men to come to school an hour early and um, meet with me. And we would just talk about real things that they were going through. I did not anticipate what happened. And that was pretty much every seventh and eighth grade boy in the school joined up for this group. And it was a small middle school, I, junior high school, maybe 350 kids in the school and a majority of them joined. And I recognized they joined because there was a girls group and they wanted an opportunity to come. Basically, they thought they were going to go and bitch about the girls or to talk about boobs. You know, I think that that's what they, they thought at the time. And uh, we used a couple books and some uh, some poetry a book that we used as one of our guides was a book called season of life we used the book Tuesdays with Maury as as ideas and, and things it's almost like a curriculum some poems like man in the glass and if by Rudyard Kipling and uh, we slowly transformed into they wanted to be called building men this group and I said all right well let's go with it you know we'll do some grass movements we'll meet that need for autonomy that you have as a middle school student so we called the group building men and we met every um, every two or three days before school. So it was like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in that time frame. And I would stagger the group. So groups of seventh grade, groups of eighth grade boys. We set it up in a circle. Um, every every young man had to shake hands with every other person in the room, no matter of their you know no matter the social history that they had with one another. What was said there stayed there. And what we started to do is break down a lot of the 
social barriers that existed, a lot of the things that society was telling these young men what it meant to be a man. So we started off with the idea that you were a better man if you were a better athlete. So that gained them a level of status if they were bigger, stronger, faster than their other male counterparts. So we started to really break down that idea. The second thing that they were hearing from society, and you're still hearing it today, and you probably remember the same exact thing, you were a, a better man in middle and high school and beyond the more you got laid. So the more girls that you got, the more notches on your belt meant that you were a better man. And then it was high school to college and beyond. It was the number of zeros in your bank account, the house on the hill, the white picket fence, the kind of car you drove, the, you know, the granite countertops that somehow related to you being a better man in society's eyes. And what we started to do was break down a lot of those preconceived notions about what masculinity really meant. And we came up with a working definition that basically masculinity was centered around this idea of strength of, of character, um, a strength of being vulnerable, but also being willing to you know, step into your emotional side. Uh, around building relationships, and that was a really important part of it as well. And then having some something, a purpose that's greater than yourself. And when you're talking to seventh and eighth grade kids, 13, 14, 15 year old kids, people are really scared of that age group. I know I was as well when I first got into it, but I recognized the power, one in community, and then being able to talk to them about real things that were going on in their life. And once we were able to establish that, we were able to talk about relationships with um, with family, with friends, with, you know, with females of the opposite sex. We were able to talk about their fears around their future, around college. We were able to talk about peer pressure and, and social dynamics in that respect. And this group was a really powerful thing. So what, as I started this group, I always felt there was this larger mission in my life. There was this larger piece that building men was associated with, but I put it on pause. It was something that I was like, you know, one day, someday, I'll do something with this someday. So I was really soft in that way. And so I put the idea up on the shelf and I looked at it for many, many years, didn't do anything with it. And life went on for me. So I held three different leadership positions in middle schools in New Jersey and um, brought building men to each one of them. At the same time, I was you know, married. Um, during my journey, had three kids. They're now 16, 14, and 11 years old. And as I was going through administration, I started to lose focus on what I got into education for. At the same time, my marriage was breaking down. Fast forward to 2019, I had this moment where it was one of those moments where you have the fork in the road and you have to make that decision. I woke up one morning and I was looking at myself in the mirror I was uh, way out of shape, wasn't happy in my life, really. Um, I had this idea of what, what I was supposed to be doing versus what I saw in the mirror. And I didn't like what I saw. First things first, I decided to leave public education. Public education became something where it was more about the standardization of kids' test scores than it was about understanding them as human beings and helping them understand what learning really meant and what education was. And there's a big difference between schooling and education. We could certainly get into my really controversial ideas around education um, at some point. So I left education in 2019, decided to go off on my own and work with school districts, helping students or helping teach teachers about community building, social emotional learning, understanding trauma and how do you effectively deal with trauma when you have students in front of you that have experienced something challenging, the appropriate ways to manage behavior with students, 
and then to meet five basic developmental needs that kids all have. And those are the need for autonomy, like I mentioned before, the having their voices heard, the need for competence, feeling that they're good at doing things, the need for fun, the need for relationships, and the need for safety. So I built this idea around working with schools. So I gambled on myself. I took, I took the risk to do so. At the same time, my ex-wife, um, so, you know, spoiler alert in the story, I did get divorced. Um, my ex-wife became a business administrator. She was carrying our ben the benefits for the family, was making a really good salary. So I was able to gamble on myself and leave public education. One year later, in March of 2020, when the world shut down, now school districts are not bringing in anyone. The schools were pretty much closed. They're not bringing in anyone to do any public speaking. I'm in the middle of a divorce. And now my salary went from a good six-figure salary with a pension right around the corner um, to almost zero. And going through a divorce, not having benefits, it was this life-altering moment where I had no idea what my life was about anymore. And I had this um, scary spot, Jason, where I questioned every decision that I had ever made up to that point. And what did, what did I do? I left my family be in jeopardy, my, my children in jeopardy, because I wanted to what follow my dream in life. And it was a, it was a tough, depressive couple months for me. And finally, I was able to shake myself out of it. I went through a physical renaissance. I you know got back in shape, went through a couple boot camps. And um, that was the, the catalyst, I think, was the physical part of it. And then the social, emotional, mental, spiritual part came when I decided to take that idea of building men off off the shelf. I dusted it off and I said, if I'm going to be about something in my life, if I'm going to really practice what I preach and, and believe wholeheartedly in myself, what was it about for me? And I said, I need to do something around building men. So I took the, the, that idea off the shelf, I dusted it off and I said, I'm going to start a podcast didn't know what I was doing, really was not technologically savvy. I was not even on social media until March of 2020. I really, I was, I was the last guy to join Facebook in the history of the world. I don't know. Um, I, I, I might have, uh, I might be there with you. We would have to check dates because I was, I think I was the last person. So we have, right we around the same, you and I were the last two. We were followers, you know, four and five billion onto Facebook. So, um, <laughs> So that's what I did. I decided to start a podcast. I learned how to do it. A couple of people that I met along my journey taught me how to do it. And so my first podcast was released July 1 of 2020. I called it The Decision. My goal that I set was to have it released by Independence Day. That was a significant moment for me, showing my quote unquote independence. And so then I started this podcast and I'll pause it there because I just I went through a whole lot. But that was basically the start of the next chapter of my life. I mentioned when we just got to know each other, this idea of a second mountain. That was me in the valley looking at where am I supposed to be in this thing we're calling life right now, unsure. And I decided, okay, I'm going to start climbing up the second mountain now. Yeah, uh, well, that's that's amazing. I mean, there's a ton there. And I, I guess I, I really did want to kind of start with just what you did with those middle school young, young and I, I, inspirational, honestly. Honestly, that's a... I, I, I think I can, I'm like, that would have been, been a great thing to have had as a, <laughs> anything, you know, you know, middle high school, probably even in college, but you know, you know, that, that there, there's a lot of, uh, certainty about yourself and as, as you mentioned, you know, kind of all those th things that you might measure your own, you know, becoming a man, you know, as you're, as you're, you're, as you say, you know, build, building a, a in within yourself, what, 
makes you, you <laughs> what what makes you fit whatever you you think supposed to be. And I imagine I imagine it, you know not only is it uh, you know how many people you sleep with or how, how athletic you you are, whatever. But I think uh, at least for for me, you know, in, I didn't grow up with money, so for me, for me, it was like become a man, man. I had to make make right and i had to I had to work more and more and more and more and that that's kind of and it it's been something that i've i've through my, my whole life considered both the a positive but also at sometimes as at a negative i'm 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 learning that more and more now that it's that it's like you know, maybe 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 it's not always good to be be the one doing all of the work right but, uh, uh no i think i think um you know starting that program with the the, the middle school kids is, is is fantastic so i'd say you know Thank you to, to 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 you coming from my my middle school. I mean, I think that I think that's that's a real uh, uh, and then uh, kind of taking that on. So it, it it sounds like there was. I know you, you mentioned that concept of the you know the, the two mountains, and we can probably dive into that, that a little bit more too. But it sounds like I don't know, sort of perfect storm of, of, of everything happening kind of all around the same time i think i think endemic had a lot of a lot of impact packed people again again positive and negative way to way, way in sort of making making a decision or making some, something happen you know to change their lives and and, and so i love of i learned that you know sort of the kind of that when people uh, you know people people come out of it come up that second mountain um but but well, I'd love to get into that, into your second on, but one thing I wanted to touch on, you mentioned your sort of controversial take on education. Uh, I would actually, actually love to hear that. I, I have a feel, feeling I'm probably going to agree with most of what you, you, with what you have, what your, your thoughts are on that, but maybe, maybe, maybe dive into that a little bit. Sure. So in education, basically my job as a school leader, um, working in middle schools, there was a lot of, of compliance that had to happen. A lot of it was trying to look a certain way as compared to neighboring school districts. In New Jersey, the way that schools are funded, a majority is by local property taxes. A majority of 90% of the school budget comes from local property taxes. So you need to look a certain way compared to the three towns that are neighboring as people are moving into this area, that's funding what you're doing. So a lot of it was out of the seventh graders, math test scores look in comparison to the two districts that are next door to us. So there was a lot, as I started to recognize, and not every single superintendent of Board of Education had this idea, but the last one that I worked for was pretty much saying, what you need to do is stop doing these boys groups, stop doing all this social, emotional, community building stuff. And it needs to be about the, the bottom line, the data. What is, what are the, how do our kids look in comparison? And it just didn't feel authentic to me anymore. The more research that I did about education, even in my preparation for education, the college courses that I took, it was a lot around curriculum development. It was a lot around the pedagogy behind it. But I really dove deep into the start of education in our country. And it was based on this um, model of creating future factory workers. We are creating employee mindsets as we are um, teaching students in school. And so I, I've done a couple posts about it. And I, I remember things that I heard as a student and then even heard teachers say, and I said myself, and it was, you know, sit up straight, be quiet, walk in a straight line, don't run, uh, raise your hand before you're speaking, these compliance-based things. 
And while I believe that there is certainly a need for a level of order in a classroom environment, what we were teaching kids was to shut up, sit down, you know, sit up straight, walk in a line and follow along with whatever the teacher's saying, not to ask questions, to become inquisitive. And I interviewed a guy on my podcast, his name was Matt Baudreau. He is a former superintendent who now runs these Acton Academies in California. And um, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of my discussion with him. Basically, uh, you know, I'll use the example, my son plays, plays high school football, right? So my son comes up to me, he says, dad, I wanna play football. I wanna be a quarterback, how do, I, how do I throw football? In school, basically, we would tell a kid, okay, here's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you do. I'm gonna have you read a book about throwing a football. So you're gonna read about throwing a football. You're going to study Tom Brady and you know Joe Montana, and you're going to study these great quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Then what you're going to do is you're going to uh, take a test on what those great quarterbacks had to say. Then what you're going to do is do a presentation around it with some kind of a, you know, a trifold board. And, you know, your parents can help you create this trifold board to create this idea of what it means to be a quarterback in the NFL. And then what you're going to do is you're going to take a standardized test. and We're going to compare you against other kids, how they think about what other people think about being a quarterback. That's school. Here's what education is. Grab a football kid. Let's go outside and throw the fucking football around. You'll, you'll learn by failing and then you'll adjust a little bit and you'll try again. And maybe I'll get you a coach that can help you understand what your body needs to be doing in it, but you'll learn by doing. That's not what we're doing in school. In school, we are creating these cookie cutter mold kids, putting them in a box. And anytime they go a little bit near the edge of the box, they're held, there's a consequence that comes along with it. So they're taught not to question, they're, they're, they're taught not to fully experience who they are as a student and ask, you know, who, what do they really think about something? What do they really feel? And even the curriculums that we developed, one of the questions I frequently ask my podcast is, if you can go back in school and create a course that would have helped you in your journey into adulthood, into manhood, what would that be? And none of it is, you know, 18th century literature. It's not, you know, you know, music theory as you're in seventh grade. If you want to learn, if you want to learn about music, fucking pick up a guitar. Like, let's 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 do it. Um, so that's just a little bit around my feelings around it. And here's what it did for me, too, Jason. It got me in some trouble because working with school districts right now, I have a lot of, you know, uh, unpopular feelings about schools. So if you're going to be hiring me as, an, as someone coming in, working with your teachers, my my feelings don't really jive with a lot of what Board of Educations really want to do. So I was basically told. One, you need to stop talking about public school and education on your podcast. And two, you need to stop cursing as much. I was told this by people that were working with me. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, to me, it was one of those moments where I wasn't going to be censored. So even if I had to take a little bit of a hit financially because I'm speaking what I truly believe in, I felt like I was onto something with what I was talking about on building that. Yeah, no, no I, you definitely are. And I think that the... the yeah, this this standardization of things. I mean, it's just I've always I, I in school I was always always very good about you know, following along along those rules were, were, but I also have also always had a lot of questions about well everything like why do you do it that way why like why is it I don't I I often say I I teach uh, I'm a veterinary surgeon I teach. Uh, residents so young surgeons and do surgery and i i often tell them them like you 
just because you've been do doing something a long time doesn't mean you're doing it right. And so I hate when people are like, if, if someone, if everyone asks like, why, why do you do it? That I hate, hate when it's like, well, that's just how, just how we've been doing right. it all this, all this time. Like there, there needs to be, maybe the reason you do something is because you've been doing it a long time, but you should know that that's the reason, right? And you should, uh, and I always tell them, I'm like, well, don't hesitate to speak up. Don't hesitate. If you, you think I'm doing something weird or wrong or, or something, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to, you're not going to hurt my, my feelings. Like ask me, let me let talk about it because maybe there's a, maybe there's a way to do it and I can still, can still from them. So it's kind of like that standardization almost, almost an unwilling to learn other ways to, to do things, except other ways is to do, do things. And I, and I get it, get it. Like you can't just have to have like, like kids running around, around the classroom right. and like there, ha there has to be some order to it, but, but yeah, like having, having a, uh, an opportunity like you had with your building men group, those kids in the morning, I, I just think that I think that's like, would have been such a, such an amazing resource to do to me as a middle school, school, high school. And I think probably any, any middle school or high school kid and you know, other guidance count that was doing it with the, with young women, it, it's just, just that sort of sort of thing i mean what, how what we learned in high school to use now i don't none i don't know i don't know if i can tell you anything anything learned in high school yeah. that like like that i use now it's like sure basic math i guess <laughs> you need to know basic math that's important like, like but again there's calculators on your iphone so it, it just just kind of like all of this stuff those cur curriculums could be could be much be much improved i think Absolutely. And when you think about it, when you think about what you truly learned in school, I would say the lessons that you learned probably were not in a specific classroom centered around a specific curriculum. It was most likely an experience that you had that was somehow tied to an emotion. Whatever that emotion was, it could have been sheer joy. It could have been fear. You learn shit when you're nervous about something. That, that absolutely happens. It could have been some type of sadness. It could have been um frustration but those are learning experiences in our brain when we can attach an emotion to some type of type of an experiential journey that we're going on that's when learning really happens it's not we're sitting in a row hearing a teacher lecture for 45 minutes and to your point about working with students in your capacity one viewpoint that i have that's slightly controversial is the idea of praise i don't believe that we should abandon praise um totally but I believe as educators or even as parents, if you have your own kid, think about how often you're praising your kids and what is the motivation behind the praise. And I say it this way, when I work with people in that, in that realm or in that sphere, I basically say, think about how often you're praising kids and what do you say when you're praising them? So a kid hands in an assignment of some sort, great job, this is awesome, way to go, you know, this is tremendous, blah, blah, whatever it is, is your motivation for praise just basically compliance is it i'm just going to put the little sticker on the corner of the paper the scratch and stiff snicker and then move on okay you know move on to the next thing is the motivation that you're trying to get the kid to like you by praising them and if if that's the case is that's such a self-serving thing so i'm going to say hey jason great job like oh yeah mr Moralda likes me i can go and sit down and have a smile on my face but learning is not happening when that happens. So once the praise happens, learning stops. So what I would push back is instead of doing that, ask questions. So much more than you're giving praise or you're giving feedback, ask 
questions that will guide the students or whoever you're working with to, to further learning. So a student hands something in, instead of saying great job and then the learning ends, I would say, tell me one more thing that you learned about this that made you want to learn something else. So what was the most challenging part of this assignment? Or after you, you hand me this, what's two things that you're really interested in learning about or whatever it is, I'm still validating that need for acknowledgement. I'm acknowledging what's going on, but I'm not just cutting it off with praise for no other reason than, you know, maybe the little sticker in the upper, upper right hand corner of the paper. And then you sit down with a smile on your face. So if you truly want learning to continue with your kids, ask questions. How did it feel when you scored the winning touchdown in the game? Tell me more about it instead of, oh, that was great, great job. What was the emotion associated with that? Or, you know, those dinner table conversations that with, you had with your kids. How was your day? Fine. What did you learn today? Nothing. You know, ask deeper questions that, that can help them truly understand what they're learning in that school environment as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, I, I think the asking questions is, is, is a great, you know, kind of, it's an easy thing to do, right? It's not, not and, and ask open-ended question, not a yes or no, or, or you know, they can answer with, with fine, good, you know, you know that, that kind of, my, my kids are very, very, they're uh, two and six months old, months old. <laughs> we're, we're starting to have some of that with my two and a half year old, but yeah, it's, they're, they're very young, but I, again, you know, sort of, sort of taking it back to what I do with the res residence is, is uh, you know, so we, we fix, we fix fractures a lot, right? Right. So a dog comes with a broken leg or leg or comes with, we fix a frag fracture. And I always say, we, we, afterwards, we look, we look to take x-rays, stop to make sure everything looking looks, looks want to. And I always tell them, I'm like, it, it's never perfect. Right. Right. So even if, even if I do it, I want to tell me what's wrong, Cut, look at this X x-ray and pick out what's what's wrong. And 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 how to fix that the next the next time it yeah, it, yeah it, it's it's great it's great it's it's great to have you know sort of positive encouragement but also like we can also get a little bit better and, and figure out think about you know if we'd something why 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 we did that you know why it's good what's what's good about about it and just right. like, i'm supposed, supposed to tell you you did a job so so um yeah i think i think that's i think it's a a, a really great point in terms of, of you know I, I feel probably small tweaks that happen in the edu education some to make tremendous impact right it's it's not like like oh tear down all the schools and everybody you know sits around outside in right. a circle it's just there's little things that could be done at at um, you know kind of the basic classroom level or or you know and with interactions um and i i guess in a uh, in attempt to relate this a little bit to to you know sort of the real estate state side of what what I do, that's business entrepreneurship. All of that kind of none of that is taught in school, right? So we 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 talked about there's no really really I really don't know of anything. Everything in, that I really needed to know in math I learned before high school, and so it's kind of wouldn't it be better if we used some of, of middle school, high school to, to teach people entrepreneurship, uh, investing advice or investing knowledge, financial literacy, kind of all, all, there's other things, things, things to put in there so that you're, that you're not, you know, this will be a good, a good way into, you know, kind of, kind of your skin mountain. You had, you had this fear of, now I've lost, I left, left a, you know, good, good paying, paying job pension. How am I going to take my family? Like if it had 
and 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 have those same same kind of <laughs> limiting beliefs all the time. But like, if you have that financial literacy education early on in life, that's something you've already already put into place. And and when you're maybe in the valley, you don't have to worry about that. That is, right? You might have to have to worry about some other things. There may be some maybe other you know challenges, but if you had been set up have good uh, financial priors and, and good business uh, acumen it would be far more help, helpful to what experience in life, life than as you know, 18 cent center center. Yes, totally agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's talk about the second mountain. Sure. Uh, what's, what's, what's the climb been like? Um, it has been exhilarating, terrifying, rewarding, um, all at the same time. And I'll start with, as I was in that valley, um, I mentioned that Independence Day of 2020, at that moment, I had this, this thought, okay, I need to get back into a school right now. I'm so lost in my life, I need to get back into a school. So I applied to several school districts uh, to get back into it. As I'm going through a divorce, I, I just had this moment where, what, what can I do now? What is next? What was me kind of thing? And even a year ago today, today, believe it or not, as we're recording, this is my 45th birthday. And oh, so here, thank you. As I last year today on this day, I was homeless. I was, my house was being built um, after going through a divorce, finally sold a house that, you know, that I owned with my ex-wife. But at this moment, as the house was being built for two months, I, I did not have a residence. So I was living with my younger brother, who I host the Building Men podcast with my parents and my sister as a house on the Jersey Shore. So with my kids in joint custody, trying to manage all these things, today, last year, I did not have a residence that I can call my own as my house is being built. So I, I had a moment this morning, last year, I also decided every year I would wake up really early on my birthday. I would read the book, The Alchemist from cover to cover. That book was one of the things that truly spoke to me. So I actually have it is right, right here. Um, and I would do a Murph and a Murph is a physical, um experience you run a mile you do 100 pull-ups 200 push-ups 300 squats and then you run another mile and i decided i would do this on my birthday until i could no longer physically do it no matter how long it took me so that's what i did this morning before um meeting with you on this podcast was did both of those things so i was up at 4 a.m read the book and then i went out on this journey when i got back i had this really difficult re emotional release of thinking about the journey of the last year. And one thing that I thought about, Jason, was that that valley as I was in and I was trying to get back into schools and no one was, I wasn't even getting a sniff or an interview because I had left education. I basically said after 20 years, you know, I gave him the old, you know, F you. And I walked out to, to follow my dream, to follow my goal and it didn't work out for me or I, I thought it didn't work out for me. But it was one of those things I couldn't see the big picture from where I was in this box where I was holding myself in. So now I'm, I'm doing this podcast and I, I was like, okay, I'm going to just push my chips into the middle of the table with building men. I will follow this, this belief in this journey, wherever it's going to lead me, but this is, this will be my passion. And the beginning of the podcast was me talking. It was like a 12 to 15 minute podcast, a solo podcast. And I would talk about things like perseverance, about responsibility, about, you know, overcoming fear, reframing failure in our life, our mental mindset, seeking approval, which is something that I did for such a long period in my life, showing up as kind of a nice guy. 
And what I realized what I was doing was talking to myself. I was doing this podcast as a principle, like talking to someone else, but really what I was doing is talking to myself. So I had this epiphany, like I need to also start bringing other men on this journey and asking them about their experiences as I'm learning. And, and it's turned into something that I had, I did not anticipate. And it has opened up so many doors from these connections that I made. And one thing that I've recognized is just thinking about communication on a deeper level. And that's been one of the biggest game changers for me. As a principal, what I would do is talk to, to educators and to students about communication in a couple of different ways. So there was the verbal communication that we use, the, the actual text, the words that are being used if you were we were to type them out. The power of verbal communication, which is the tone, the volume and the cadence at which we say the words that we say. A lot of the disagreements that happen in life and a lot in relationships are about power of verbal communication. Things are said with some kind of a tone or an attitude. Things are misinterpreted from how we want to say them or what we're thinking. So there's the power of verbal communication and then the nonverbal communication, obviously, our facial expressions, what we're doing with our hands when we're speaking, our level of proximity when we're, we're speaking to someone. So I always thought about those things. I really didn't think as much about the actual verbal language that we're using, the text language. So I went through this, this coaching program. And at the time, I really didn't have the money to go through the coaching program and certification, but I did it because I believed in it. It's called the Enlifted Coaches Program. And what Enlifted does is it teaches us to think about the language that we use when we're speaking to ourselves. And I recognized that I was using victim, I was in a victim mindset and using victim language when I was speaking to myself for such a long time in my life. And I had to retrain myself to think about things in a different way. And the, one of the first things that we talk about this idea of a reticular activating system in our brain. And basically, it, we see things that we are looking for, right? So if I were to, to you know, to say to you, um, to look around your room and, and pick out every single thing that is black, and you, you look around, you pick out all these things that are black, and I'd say, close your eyes now and tell me everything that you saw that was red. You'd say, you dick, you told me to look at things that were black. And I would tell you that, as you're thinking about looking at things, those are the things that you're going to see in your mind will attract you to those things. So if we're using victim language when we're speaking to ourselves, and we all do this, and I did this for such a long time, when we're looking for those negative things in our mind, we will, we will see them and we will attach our thoughts to victim language and victim mentality. And so I had to redefine what the victim mentality was and basically the victim mentality, and I have, I have it written down, this is one of those things that I look at every single day. The victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where people think of themselves as the victim of the negative actions of other people, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions, and they are soft talk, which is maybe, might, should, could, perhaps, it's negations where you're constantly telling yourself, I can't, I won't, I shouldn't, or projections where it's someone else's fault. I wasn't able to do this because Jason didn't give me the opportunity, or I didn't do this because my ex-wife was a total whatever. You know, so it's, it's putting it off on other people. So I had to retrain my brain to think about things where I am now the architect of the language that I'm using and for my future. So I started doing this, instead of doing the, what if the bad things that we all do, Jason, I'm sure, you know, I do this frequently myself and I have to catch myself. What if I can't make my mortgage payment this month? What if this deal falls through? What if um, I get hurt or I get sick, I get COVID and I can't train for the half marathon that's coming up? We, what if all the bad shit? What I would challenge you to do is what if the good shit? What if I make $500,000 this year? 
What if I sign 10 new clients? What if I close this deal? And now we're starting to see those positive things in our mind. So now one thing that I do is work with men, especially that are in that, you know, 30, mid thirties to early 50 timeframe where you're feeling lost and stuck and not knowing what's in front of you. And you're using this negating soft language when we're speaking to ourselves, you don't have your purpose in mind. And I help them retrain their thought process with the language that they're using. It has been such a game changer for me and then for people that I'm working with. It's it's one of the most remarkable things. And it's another thing that we should be doing in schools is talking to kids about the language they're using when they're talking to themselves. My son, I mentioned plays football. Before he goes out on the field, he's a quarterback. I would say every single time, say to yourself that you're going to throw three touchdowns today. You're going to throw for 250 yards. Your team's going to win the game instead of saying, what if I throw a pick? Or what if the center snaps the ball in such and such a way? It's like that self-fulfilling prophecy when you're visualizing positive things, but we're doing it with the language we're using when we're speaking to ourselves. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's a, I forget exactly the, the I'm sure I'm going to mess this stuff up, but there's, I don't know who said it, but, but there's a quote that's basically, at least, do you think you can, or you think you're right? And yes. I think it's, it, it's a hundred percent true, right? It's like, I, I actually, you know, I mentioned my, my kids are very young, but my, my two and a half year old, I, I there's very little, they're kid, kids, like I, they, they're, they're going to do things. There's very, very little that I'll sort, I'll sort of instantly kind of get on him, him about, but when he says, I can't, can't I'm like, yes, yes, you can. Like, I'm like, I might not even be paying attention to what, to, to what he's doing at that moment. And I'll, I'll hear sort of get, get work and I can't blah, blah, blah. And I like turn around. I'm like, like, yes. And do you, do you need, is what you need to need. Yes. To, you can do it and do it. If you need help that then work together to do it, but you can do it. And so I, I do think that's, you know, those just looking at, you know, getting away from that, that victim mentality and, and, and looking at things. It's, it's been fascinating to think to me over the last year, year and it, it's, you know, I'm a veterinary surgeon. It, 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 there's a, there's a lot of people, a lot of limiting beliefs and, and sort of self-doubt out in the industry. And, uh, I, 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 excluding myself, self from that, I've had, I've had a lot of those feelings. The real estate space space seems filled with a lot of, it's, it seems very closely associated with, uh, you know, mindset, positive mindset type of mentality and, um, business or life coaching. Like there's a lot of like. And I guess, I guess it makes sense. These generally, really like extremely successful people, just a successful asshole after having a coach to help you, help you there is, is extremely important. Um, and so I, I've been really struck a lot. I, you know, kind of, kind of the mind shifts that you can make. And even that I've tried to make just within, within my, just, just, just little, little thing. And it's, I mean, I, I have felt like I have been able to use that even to change use mindset shifts to change physical problems, right? Which is like, like I, I'm, a, I'm a scientist. I'm a doc, I'm a doc like that. That is, that should, that should, that should work to me. And my, me, my, my, my logical brain says should not work. It, you can, can, I have done it, done it to, with myself, like change the way I react, react things. I can change the way, the way that I react to things, to things. Absolutely. I'm in the middle of reading. You are the placebo by, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, what a game-changing book that is. I would highly recommend that to anyone if you have any thoughts around the the power that your mind has over 
everything over your physical being, your emotional, your mental state. I want to real quick, a quick game that I'll play with clients. I'll play with you right now, if you don't mind. What I want you to do is tell me one goal that you have for yourself. It could be a personal professional goal, like make a declaration of a goal that you have for yourself. Like something crazy or something simple. It could be any, it could be to anything at all. I am not, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not generally mystic. I don't, I don't fancy car and things, things like, but I hate fly, fly. My one goal is to be able to fly private. Like in terms to me from a, I guess like, like making it financially, being able to, able to fly private would be amazing to me. So your goal could be, I will fly private on a private jet in the next 12 months. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I don't <laughs> I guess I never thought about it in the, in the next months, but yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that would be, that would be amazing. Okay. So if you were to say I were to fly on a private jet in the next 12 months, how does that feel? What's the feeling that is associated with that goal? It feels fantastic. I would love it. Yeah. And so now you have this idea of like, okay, it's, it's something that's out there. So what I'll do with people is have them, we, we share a Google doc and we write things down together. We get a lot of out of this, this victim mindset. Now what I want you to do is I want you to say the same goal to me, but add in a maybe a might or a guess. So say if my goal was I'm going to, I'm going to build a business, building men is going to make $500,000 for me this year. So that feels strong and pro like, I feel like I got this. If I say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make $500,000 this year, maybe. It has a, t so say, say that again, but add in a, I guess a maybe or might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, get, I guess I might be able to fly private this year, yeah. <laughs> it's, so now how does that feel? Yeah, so it, it, it feels much, it feels much less uh, exciting it, it also feels much less committal middle, right? It's like, if I, if I say it that way, I'm not, not, if, if I am going to, I'm going to, you know, you know, I make it, I, I'm, I'm going to work towards that. Right. Right. If I, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's almost like you're kind of hoping then that it happens, yeah. but probably not, not probably it's, it's not up in, you know, just, just, just letting it. So yeah, no, no, it's, a, it's very, very, very good, good. Point. And I do think that, that, you know, or the way that we talk to ourselves about stuff is, is, uh, is a game changer and it's it's i i um i had never written like people do you know they say set goals right they were, you're supposed, supposed to write down your goals and stuff i had never done that until like a year and a half ago or so or something and i heard heard um uh, brandon uh brandon turner on bigger bigger podcast he talks about it a lot on his podcast and stuff stuff like that I, I decided to do that. I like my wife. I was like, Hey, can we, can we, can we do this little exercise and stuff and stuff? And it was like, so, so we did it, we did it, and did it in a June or July, July, maybe in 2020, probably right, probably right, right around the same time you started your podcast. I, yeah. I um, and I was, I was like, well, let's do like a six month and then a three year and a five year and we'll do it again. You know, so we did, did it in January of 2021, the second time. And the first time I felt like I, I, I wrote those those goals down the way the way way is talked about saying say, say this, right? I sort of wrote them down like that would be cool if maybe maybe it happened. And when we we did it again, January, I felt felt like like I was actually writing with a little bit more commitment to it. And then like it's coming up again, January. You know, we're gonna be doing it again soon. And I'm like, 
now I'm ready to go. Like now I, I had a few, <laughs> I had a few tries at putting those goals down and like, now I'm ready to, to go and put it down in such a way that, that it, that it, it will, will be thing that I, it's not, it's not, not like it's a maybe it'd be, it's this thing I'm going to make happen here kind of thing. And think about people that are, that now are going to be working with you in the future. When you're speaking in that way, when you're speaking from an architect perspective, rather than in a victim mindset, doors start to open that you didn't even realize were there because of the confidence you have in yourself. Then now I know I'm going to be on a private jet with you at some point after your 12 months. Like I, I feel it because I believe when you were saying it and the, the interesting part is once you say it in that really positive way, and, and confident way, I will be on a private jet in the next 12 months. When you say it in a, in a soft negating way, now it seems silly. Now, when you hear yourself saying maybe and might and probably, so what I do is I help people understand, you don't even realize how, we don't realize how often we do that. And I would challenge your listeners, write some of these words down, maybe, probably, could, should, perhaps, kinda, sorta, one day, write them down and then you start to see them and you hear yourself saying it, or I, I think I might one day be able to. Right there, take all that shit and throw it out. Yeah. Yeah. I will do this. And right. once you start to do that, now your your shoulders push back a little bit, you stand up a little bit straighter. The, that physical presence you have now will attract those positive things in your life. It's the placebo effect. Once that you know you can do this, like you see it in your, in your brain, now it starts to manifest itself a little bit more. I, To me, I did not believe this a year or two years ago. I just, I was like, eh, whatever. But now I'm like, I've seen it come to fruition. I totally believe in all this and see how it transforms so many people that I'm working with. It, it is an absolute game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Once you start to see it work, you know, sort of take effect, it's like, like I don't know. It's probably annoying to the you, you, people around me. I'm like, oh, seriously, just do this. Yeah. It, it works. And they're like, no, I don't think so. Like, I'm like, no, I'm telling you, it works. It works. Or just kind of you get in that, that, uh, you get excited about it. You get, start to, to really to believe in it. So yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Um, uh, Dennis, this is, this, this is great. I really, really, really love this conversation. I don't, I don't want to keep you long. Uh, I know it's your birthday. Um, let's maybe move to, uh, I, there's four questions that I like to ask everybody yeah. and they're, they're not real estate related. It's really just kind of a, a you know, kind of a, a, I guess a personality type sure. questions, but, um, the first one is related to the title of the podcast, know your why. So, um, Sure, we've touched on it to some some extent, but what is your why? Why? What continues to drive you? Have you up mountain? My why, and it's the it's how I start every single podcast. It's it's to help men become the strongest version of themselves, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, by helping them understand the architect language that they're using and how that can transform their lives. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, like, I really like. I said, I. I, this, I feel like this is <laughs> building men program should be in every middle school, high school. There should be some, something for these, uh, these kids. I think it would be really, truly like a, almost like a society change, right? Totally you, you, you know, people coming out with it, with a different, uh, a different look at, at their own place in, in life as, as a adult, you know, in, even, even on, for young women or women or men, I think it'd be, be a great thing for, for them, for them to, to have that process um well tell something about yourself maybe isn't common knowledge you know whether that's that's a i don't know no, a skill a hobby hobbies you want to learn uh something, something that's not, that not everybody about you 
I am a huge, I'm a, a nerd in the way, like I'm a, a Harry Potter fan. I'm a Marvel fan. I see the, um, the DC stuff behind you. I just got into DC recently. My, my middle child is a big, uh, she's a DC fan. Watch Gotham and we're going to start getting into DC. Star Wars. I, every year after Christmas, I get me and the kids. I think that they're, they're doing it for me now. I started out doing it for them. Now they're doing it for me. We get up at like 4.30 and we watch all eight Harry Potter movies um, from 5 a.m. until midnight. It's a total of almost 20 hours worth of Harry Potter movies every year I do that. So there's, there's that, that part of me that I am a nerd in that way. And I also have a weird memory um, where I can pull out movie quotes, movie lines, Seinfeld quotes. As I'm on, on the podcast interviewing people, I just interviewed a guy yesterday and we started talking about Office Space and A Few Good Men. And I did Jack Nicholson's You Can't Handle the Truth right, right off the cuff. So there's, I have this, this weird photographic memory, but it's not for shit that I'm supposed to pick up at the grocery store. Although there was a list of four things, I'll come back with six other things that weren't on the list. But I can tell you, you know, I could go through those soup Nazi episode in, in Seinfeld from 1992. I, I, have that, uh, I have that with song lyrics. I, I remember like, like when I was, especially when I was in vet school and like, if I could just remember all of the stuff, like I can can remember series, like this this oh. would be put this all, all put all these books in, into songs, and it would it would be perfect. But yeah, no, I I'm an equal opportunity superhero nerd. Like I know the the bigger signs are the are the yeah. DC stuff, but this there, though you probably can't see it, but but those oh. are all Marvel okay little Marvel Lego things that my my son got me for for Father's Day. It's like. You know, kind of, but so yeah, I, I, I love, uh, my son's name is Logan after Wolverine. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, so I mean, I, that's a, that's I'm, a big. I'm a, I'm a big fan. So what's your, what's your go-to karaoke song then? If you know the lyrics, if that's your if that's your thing. Oh, oh, I don't, uh, I don't do karaoke. I'm far too shy for that. That's, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I, 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 the only thing is, I actually, actually was in a, uh, I was singer in a garage, garage band. I was uh, in high and, and afterwards with someone. I do love love music. I won't. I don't like to do it alone, right? Like, so like me just sitting and playing guitar by myself, I get really, really nervous in front of people. But, but when I would do it with my band, it was then I could do it as a, I'm a, I'm a better- Well, as a duet, we, we could we could sing something as a duet when we get off the jet in a year. What, what's, a right. song, what's a song that you might, might sing? And I'll use well, the repeating yeah. language. <laughs> we did, uh, I, I mean, a lot of Paul Jam. Because I, you know, I grew up, you know, in the grunge era, so we we did love Pearl Jam, and and, and uh, one of my favorite song songs to actually was Rearview Mirror. It was like, which is probably the the Pearl song that everybody, buddy, you know, everybody's right. going to say like something like that. But but I was doing Rearview Mirror. Mirror. So quick aside, um, I'm a big Stone Temple Pilots was my jam from the '90s. I saw I saw STP probably 15 times. And this past summer, I was uh, Asbury Park did a See Here Now concert, and Pearl Jam and Smashing Pumpkins were the headliners there. It was back-to-back -back days. They were tremendous, absolutely tremendous. And being able to be there in on the beach, watching these unbelievable bands play. Billy Idol played, and he still brings it. He's the son of a bitch still brings it. Rock the cradle of love. So, um, but being there, listening to it in after the world was shut down, listening to music on the beach and hearing the songs in a different way was such an unbelievable experience. Tonight, Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins now is one of my favorite songs. I'm like, 
on the beach, listen to this music, just totally overcome with emotion. I am going to deeply feel this experience. So, yeah, um, yeah great concert. I mean, those, those 90 bands at the, the, every yeah, single time. They were, I mean, I, I, I don't know how many times I've seen Pearl Jam. Probably, yeah, 50 or, or so times. I, I just, uh, I... <laughs> I tried to see Stone Temple Pilots a bunch of times and, and uh, he kept going into rehab. But it was like every time, time that, that's a sad story <laughs> to the uh, aside. But yeah, yeah, I, I honestly, honestly tried to see Stone Temple Pilots probably three time, times. And every time, 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 like he was, he was in rehab or, or something like that. I did yeah, end uh, up see, seeing, I ended up, ended up seeing Scott Weiland when he was, was went solo. Yeah. Like, at a, at a con one of the times when he he was in like cleaning for a little, a little while so i mean he he was he, he was it is it is, it is a sense. obviously a bit <laughs> way off way off way off the year but yeah no no i i like so it's a it's a, a big always been a big part of my life and i, I yeah. uh, that it'll be um a big part of with with my kids i enjoy that part um I know, I know you're active on Instagram, but and we'll get everything in the show notes. But is that the best way for people to reach out, out to you? Yeah. So on Instagram is building.men. Um, my website is buildingmen.io, and my um, email address is buildingmencoach at gmail. Okay. Okay. Perfect. We'll get that stuff in the, in the show notes. And I guess I guess I would say uh, if we can go out, out with me, one piece of advice you could give to people that uh, are are trying to trying to turn their lives around to get out of the valley. Um, and climb, climb up that mountain. What, what, what do you? I'm sure you have lot, lots of advice. Maybe one, one uh, poignant piece that, that we could leave, leave on. As a as a middle school principal, I would take the kids every year to. It was a three day, two night camping trip. Um, no no technology. We just went there, and it was around community building, around self confidence, around figuring themselves out, their identity. And one of the the challenges that they had to do was an, um, a climbing tower. And it was like a 60 foot climbing wall. And there were kids that were totally afraid of heights and they couldn't, they could not do it. So they would freeze up at the bottom of the wall. They would, would be harnessed in with the belay and the, and the, the harnesses. And so I would stand there with them. And then, so for three days, I, I sat my ass at that wall or I was with the kids at the wall and I would stand there with them. And I would just say, just go one step further than you thought you can go. Just one step further than you thought you could go. And so a third of the bottom of the wall and they go one one more rung up or one more thing up on the climbing wall they were they still felt safe and then i would say okay go one more step than you thought you can go and then they would go and they're like i already did it i'm like well now you're there you can go one step further than you thought and god damn it before you know it a lot of these kids were totally afraid of heights made it to the the top of the 60 foot wall and they rang this ceremonial bell and achieved something that they thought was impossible yeah. so my piece of advice would be to anyone listening there is likely a set of limiting beliefs, stories that you have told yourself that you are not able, you are not capable, you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have the resources, the, the you know, cards are stacked against you in whatever way. I would say get rid of that self-limiting belief and know that you can absolutely go a step further than you thought you can go. It, we have this unbelievable potential and capabilities as human beings for things that we never even knew were possible. But it has to start with our belief in ourselves. And a lot of that is the language that we're using. So to shift from that negative mindset into more positive, productive architect language can help you achieve those goals and go a step further than you thought was possible. I love that. That That's fantastic. Yeah, go one step further than what you could. And uh, I'm going to ring that on the private chat. Yeah. <laughs> 
Absolutely. That's my, my ones further. That's what, that's what I'll do. someday I'll, I'll get on braille with me, but, uh, this is, this has been an awesome, awesome, really, uh, great, great conversation. Thank you. Thank Thank you for on, um, appreciate your time. I, I, I taken time out on your, on your birth birthday. I, I, uh, you're actually second guest I've had had that uh, were on their birthday, which, which I'm like, I'm like guys, guys don't have to do that, but I, I really, really do appreciate it. So uh, have have a great rest of your day. Thank, thank you very much. I totally appreciate it. Really quick, um, one of the reasons I was, um, we were introduced, Mark Picard, who we, we have as a mutual friend. Um, he's working with me, my younger brother, Anthony, who hosts a podcast with me, Austin Linney, the host of Construct Your Life and Brain Dump Podcast, and also Chase Tollison, he's the host of the Primal Pathways Podcast. We're hosting an event in Lake Tahoe, April 29th through May 1st, called The Hero's Journey. And it'll be a three-day, two-night event for men um, around the idea of the language we're using when we're speaking to ourselves, identity. There'll be physical challenges. It will be a true hero's journey. So those of you, will, we just started publicizing it, so look out for that. Um, and if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out and I'd be happy to, to help people. Thank you so much, Jason. I, I truly appreciate it. It was great meeting you today. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. I, I, I actually am very excited for people to hear all. I think there's a lot of really, really good stuff here that, uh, like I said, if, if half of it gets implemented, I, I, society changing, I think, I think it's awesome. So yeah, thanks so much, Dennis. My pleasure. All right, everyone. Have a great day. Oops. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.